Hi and welcome to the All Plane Podcast, where we talk with the movers and shakers that are redefining the future of commercial aviation. As usual, before we start, let me remind you once more that all previous episodes of this podcast, as well as many other aviation stories, are available on the All Plane website. That's allplane.tv. Now let's go to today's episode. Our guest is leading one of the most prominent firms in the sustainable aviation fuel ecosystem. Jimmy Samartsis is the CEO of Lanzajet, an emerging sustainable aviation fuel producer that has a attracted the interest of industry giants such as Shell, British Airways, All Nippon Airways, Microsoft, the Mitsui Group of Japan, and Canadian energy firm Suncor, among others. Lanzajet has also been recently announced as the recipient of a $50 million grant from Breakthrough Energy, a fund set up by Bill Gates to advance decarbonization projects. Lanzajet is actually a spin-off of another company called Lanzatech. And if Lanzajet is focused, as its name implies, on sustainable aviation fuel, Lanzatec develops biofuels for a whole range of other industries. If the name rings a bell, it's possible because Lanzatec has got quite a lot of media exposure recently. With its CEO, Jennifer Holmgren, having appeared often in the media, including in a number of other podcasts, like it was the case recently with Michael Liebreich's Cleaning Up. Having Jimmy Samartis on this podcast was a great opportunity to learn more about the topic of biogenic sustainable aviation fuel, and in particular, the alcohol-to-jet technology that Lanzajet is working on, using ethanol as a feedstock. And also to talk about Lanzajet's very ambitious plans, with several SAF plans getting ready to start production or at planning stage in several different countries across different continents. So tune in for an in-depth chat with one of the movers and shakers of the sustainable aviation fuel scene. Hello, Jimmy. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Very well. Where are you joining us from today? Well, I'm sitting here in our uh, wonderful offices in uh, Deerfield, Illinois, which is right outside of Chicago, mm-hmm. on a sunny day overlooking a beautiful uh, fall landscape. Excellent. Well, I have quite a lot of things, of topics I would like to ask you about. But, you know, first of all, like everyone that comes here on the podcast, I would like to ask you to introduce yourself briefly. You are the founding CEO of Lanzajet. I'm going to ask you a bit more in detail about this, but it's it's associated with uh, Lanza Tech, which is a company that does quite a few things in the domain of renewable fuels. But yeah, can you tell us a bit more about yourself and basically about your role at LanzaJet? Yeah, happy to. And uh, first of all, thank you for having me on today. And it's it's wonderful to to have this discussion. Let me take maybe a step back and and share with you a bit about my background as well, and then. You know, hopefully that provides some context for how it all fits in together for where I am here today at Lands of Jet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, You know, I've made tackling climate change uh, core to my professional career, um, frankly, ever since I was uh, early on as a young consultant, if you will, with uh, a firm called Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, some nearly 30 years ago at this point, I, I started focusing on uh, issues related to climate change. Fast forward a decade or so, I ended up at United Airlines where uh, I took on a responsibility associated with corporate affairs, corporate responsibility, and environmental sustainability. Uh, And at the peak of the economic crisis in about 2008, there was a pretty strong interest within our company to figure out how we 
how we deal with the you know extremely high prices of crude oil and the impact on jet fuel. And you know that frankly gave me a door opening uh, to have a discussion within the company and with our leadership team around uh, sustainable aviation fuel. And back then it wasn't called SAF, uh, but it is called that today. And you know that was 14 plus years ago. That was a very different moment in time when there weren't technologies that necessarily were ready or approved to produce SAF. You didn't mm-hmm. have policy support. You didn't have all the fixings that we have today, if you will. But anyhow, that's where my interest in, in SAF really started was, you know, figuring out how to decarbonize a really tough to decarbonize sector like aviation. You know, fast forward to 2020 when Lanza Tech was uh, spinning out Lanza Jet as its own independent company. Um, I had previously worked with Jennifer Holmgren, who's the uh, CEO of Lanza Tech. And uh, Jennifer and the board from Lanza Jet reached out and said, hey, would you be interested in, in leading uh, this new company? And I jumped at it because for me, it brought together all of the things I've done throughout my professional career um, into a role and into a company that I could fully believe in, fully support, and you know, give it my best shot in terms of you know, growing a business and growing an industry that is absolutely necessary to you know, tackle our climate issues of the day and, and, and of the future. Here we are two plus years later since we founded the company. Um, I am the CEO of the company and you know, we're doing great. We're uh, doing all sorts of things, both here in the United States and abroad. Uh, there's a lot of energy and enthusiasm and optimism with what we're doing within the company, outside the company. And uh, cannot be more excited in uh, having a leading role, if you will, in building a new industry. Yeah, uh, tackle the decarbonization of a- of aviation. Yeah, actually, I come across Lanzajet uh, and Lanzatech quite often when following this industry. It seems that you've been pretty active the last few months. A number of different deals and projects and. You also uh, brought on board quite a few prominent players in the industry. I have here some notes you have among your partners. I don't know if they are they're investors as well, I think. Uh, Anna, the Japanese airline, uh, British Airways, Shell, and quite a few other names of the, of the uh, let's say, of the energy and the transportation industry. So can you tell us a bit more about how is the company structure? You are a subsidiary of, of Lanzatech. But you also have your own shareholders, or, or those companies are partners of Lanzatech. How how is this whole business structure? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we're actually completely independent of Lanzatech, so we're not a subsidiary. Okay. We're, yeah. So we're our own company. Lanzatech, as the founder of the company, is one of our investors and shareholders, and uh, they also uh, Jennifer Holmgren, who's the CEO of Lanzatech also serves as the chair of my board uh, here at Lanza Jet. So, you know, Lanza Tech is one of the founding investors along with Suncor Energy out of Canada, Mitsui out of Japan, uh, British Airways out of the UK, Shell as well out of the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those, that grouping of five forms our founding uh, investors in the company. Um, and we've been very intentional in terms of identifying strategic investors and partners like all of them who are sincere uh, about taking action on climate and who want to be a leader in the energy transition. And all of them check that box. They all are very active, not just with us, but in general, in terms of you know 
I think of them as being at the tip of the spear, if you will, in terms of the energy transition. Yeah. What we've also done is, you know, we've been super creative in terms of identifying good sources of capital that are that is inexpensive, mm-hmm. um, relatively speaking. For a company like us, you know, that's smaller, that's newer, um, and that has first of a kind technology. It is hard to get access to, you know, cheap forms of capital. You know, banks and infrastructure funds and private equity players are all very keen and all very interested in, in providing capital to help us build projects and to help us uh, expand the company. But that also comes with a higher cost. And we've worked hard to find ways to bring on board additional capital that is very, I call it cost efficient for us um, so that it um, reduces um, the premium of our SAP product compared to fossil jet fuel. What I mean by that is we've you know, brought on and accessed capital from the U.S. Department of Energy. We have a grant from the U.S. Department of Energy to help us build our plant in Georgia. We worked with Microsoft on a loan for the project in Georgia as well and with very attractive terms. And then more recently, we you know partnered with Breakthrough Energy as the first investment that Breakthrough Energy is making in sustainable aviation fuels through their catalyst program in particular uh, to support our project in Georgia. And that is a, also a grant, um, so very attractive uh, capital. And then you mentioned um, Al Nippon Airways. Yeah, Al Nippon Airways has also participated with us financially. They've given us uh, capital early on in uh, the growth of the company. But they're not, you know, technically a shareholder of the company. Okay. So, so we've brought together, you know, I, I think it's a great, great group of companies um, across the value chain, if you will, as well, that help us along the way, not yeah. just in providing capital, right? But they also help us develop projects. They help us on, you know, feedstock supply and supply chain and logistics issues. They help us on offtakes. Uh, so we have a really strong group of partners that are helping us grow the company at a much faster pace than probably otherwise would have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Very, very impressive uh, roster of names there. I imagine in the industry you're in, you basically you specialize in, let's say, a, a production technology which is the alcohol to jet to produce sustainable aviation fuel. There are different ways to produce uh, sustainable aviation fuel, different processes and, and different feedstocks. The one you specialize in is basically using organic matter to produce ethanol. And then this ethanol, I think, undergoes a number of chemical processes that turns it into sustainable aviation fuel. A little bit like, I don't know if it's exactly the same process that is used to produce biofuels as well for other transportation uses. But, but yeah, so basically you, you are in that, in that uh, market segment and you've got quite a few projects going at the moment. I'm saying that because I was just wondering, at the moment, it looks like the demand is far outstripping supply. I wanted to ask you, what, what's the main challenge? I mean, is it to find customers? Is it to scale quickly enough? Is it to optimize the technology uh, to basically to bring costs in line with uh, other processes and other technologies? What, what's the main challenge you're finding? Uh, great set of questions. Um, uh, I'd like to answer by saying it's all of the above. It's... Um, yeah. Yeah, I mixed up quite a few things here. No, no, <laughs> so okay. maybe it's, it's, we, uh... we should go step by step. So basically, <laughs> you mentioned the, the capital issue. In this case, I'm assuming, I really don't know the 
the the the numbers that that you are you guys are are working with but i'm assuming there's a strong pressure to increase production fast because basically the world doesn't doesn't have enough sustainable aviation fuel so what are the challenges here is it developing the technology is it finding suitable places yeah. to produce tell me a bit more about how you plan to deploy this capital and and maybe i'll take it even another another step which is mm-hmm. aviation has a, a pretty sizable opportunity. So I may call it a challenge. Aviation contributes, uh, depending on what report you want to believe in, right? Somewhere between two to 3% of greenhouse gas emissions uh, in the world, um, equivalent to the size of Brazil as a country in terms of what Brazil emits. Mm-hmm. So a pretty substantial uh, impact, uh, which is only going to grow as aviation as a sector continues to grow. You know, you have parts of the world that are in the earlier days of uh, the aviation industry, if you will, and, and they're expecting significant growth still ahead of them. So the problem will only become bigger for aviation in terms of its impact on climate. And aviation as an industry um, has agreed to achieve net zero by 2050. That was recently also agreed to at the United Nations level through the uh, International Civil Aviation Organization, ICAO. Uh, so there's a broad international agreement, if you will, get to net zero by 2050. So across the globe, then you have countries who are establishing targets, um, interim targets to get towards that 2050 goal. Some of them are more aggressive than what's required for that 2050 goal. Um, Here in the United States, by 2030, the expectation is that we have 3 billion gallons of SAF in production. Compared Mm -hmm. to where we are today, that's a 600 uh, times uh, increase, right, if you will, in production levels, because all we have today is about 5 million gallons of SAF as an industry in the United States. Okay. So to get to 3 billion gallons, you have significant production increase required over the next seven years, right? Not mm-hmm. a lot of time to build out infrastructure and deploy capital to be able to achieve that. And similarly, on a global basis, if the target is, you know, 10% of, of global consumption, Global consumption is around 100 billion gallons of fossil jet fuel. So we're looking at 10% of that by 2030. Um, That is a very large number. And globally, we only produced about 30, 35 million gallons last year. So the gap is pretty significant. And as you point out, the demand is certainly there. The opportunity is certainly there. And Mm -hmm. it becomes a question of, do we have technologies that work? and that can scale to meet that demand? Do we have the feedstock that can feed those technologies, right? To get to scale, to get to large quantities of production? Do we have supportive government policies to help enable the development of a new industry so that it can compete effectively in the early days with conventional fossil-based industries? And then do we have a willingness to pay a premium within the airline industry for a premium product, right? These, these, you know, fuel gallons that we produce that are sustainable are better quality fuels than what is produced using crude oil. You know, it has a reduction in environmental attributes, meaning a, a, a reduction in overall life cycle emissions. It has a reduction in particulates. It has a reduction in contrail formation, all good things. Um, and these 
SAF products also have a higher energy density than than crude oil based, you know, fossil jet fuel. Ah, really? I didn't know about that. Well, obviously, I was aware of the environmental benefits, but I didn't know what, uh, from a, a performance point of view, they can be advantages as well. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So, you know, those are all the things that have to come in place, and and you know, a lot of that is happening. You do have governments stepping in and stepping up. You have, you know, airlines who are working with corporate partners of theirs, corporate customers that fly on them a lot to help pay the difference between, you know, a SAP product and uh, a conventional fossil-based product. And that benefits the corporate customer because the corporate customer gets to count those reductions in their overall corporate performance um, for their, you know, scope free emissions. So, you know, there are benefits there in terms of how all this comes together, but, you know, technologies technologies are working, right? We have a pathway called HEFA, hydroprocess esters and fatty acids, which has been deployed. The first ever HEFA plant was built in California um, and was operational starting in 2016. We've had other deployments since then. Um, HEFA technology uses an oil uh, as the feedstock. So a lot of it has been used cooking oil, uh, tallow, which is an animal fat and so on. And then you have our technology, which you referenced as alcohol to jet, we use ethanol as a starting point, and we can dive into that a little bit uh, in terms mm -hmm. of why ethanol makes a great a great starting point, a great solution. And then, you know, quickly, just the other pathway that a lot of folks are trying is using Fischer-Tropes technology. And, you know, Fischer-Tropes technology has been deployed for decades, frankly, um, in other in certain parts of the world, and has been used to make, you know, certain fuel products. But folks are now applying Fisher tropes at smaller scales to, you know, tackle waste sources, right? There's a lot of municipal solid waste projects to SAF using Fisher tropes technology. You know, so those have not yet hit commercial production, but there's a lot of effort being, being deployed. So overall, there's seven pathways, right? Alcohol to jet is one of those seven. There's a bunch of other technologies and pathways that are in the process, if you will, for getting approval. Um, so there's a lot of energy behind technologies and scaling up technologies right now. Talking about alcohol to jet, you know, ethanol, which is the starting point for us, um, is already in abundance today. This is first generation ethanol. So between North and South America, you have nearly 30 billion gallons of ethanol that is produced. A lot of that is being deployed into ground transportation as a blend into gasoline. Um, yep. One of the things that's happening in the marketplace is those ethanol producers are seeing what's happening to the ground transportation market. It is electrifying, right? Cars are increasingly being produced to be electric cars, not needing uh, gasoline. So a lot of ethanol producers are looking at the market and saying, what's next for them in terms of where can that ethanol be deployed? So that is, if you will, the current landscape of there's ethanol in production there's a market opportunity because current ethanol producers are seeing an evolution in their market, in their traditional market, and aviation and SAF could be a very good solution for them. I just wanted to ask you about this because I remember when ethanol became, um, it, it went through a sort of boom a few years ago, maybe a decade ago, something like that. There were concerns about the feedstock, uh, driving prices up uh, for some, some food stuff that has the same sources as ethanol, like some corn, I think, and and sugarcane and other 
or the food crops. I don't know if that's still an issue or this has been addressed in some way. Yeah, I, you know, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get into a debate around around that necessarily. What I what I can tell you is, I think from our point of view, any ethanol that we use, including ethanol that we consider to be first generation, has to meet certain sustainability certifications, right? mm-hmm. and it has to have an overall reduction in life cycle emissions, and it has to carry a certification by an organization like the you know RSB or ISCC. Uh, which means that, you know, the practices used um, to develop that ethanol and have been done in a sustainable way. Um, okay. That is fundamental. I think for us to have a viable SAF product, it has to be, it has to come from a sustainable source. And, you know, if you talk to some of the current first generation ethanol producers, they'll tell you that, uh, their ethanol product is one of the best mechanisms for capturing CO2 out of the atmosphere, right? Growing crops and being able to use that as an, as, as an energy source, mm-hmm. which is a large part what it's been today. Um, you know, so there's, I think, a significant progress that's been made in the ethanol industry uh, around uh, the efficiency of production um, over the last decade or so. There's quite a bit that the ethanol industry is doing today to uh, reduce its impact and create lower carbon ethanol. Uh, they're deploying things like carbon capture and sequestration, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, a significant win for that industry and, and for us, frankly, because it reduces the carbon intensity of their ethanol by a significant amount. That's the current sort of supply of ethanol. And you know, part of this comes down to you know, what is, what is the ambition that we have? What is the goal that we have as a global society? Are we trying to make an impact on climate change as soon as we can, because we need to bend the curve as soon as we can? If so, that is the source that is currently available, which can be sustainable. It can be low carbon intensity and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, because if- you source, you are sourcing the ethanol. It's, it's been already transform from organic matter and turn into ethanol. So what you get as a feedstock is already liquid ethanol or are you, okay, let's say you are a bit farther down the the chain. So you're not starting from the, from the actual organic feedstock. There's been already a, a step in between where someone has taken this feedstock and transform it into a liquid ethanol. Then this ethanol will go to your plants. We, we talk now about the different plant projects you have in right now on the table. Uh, but basically, at your plant, you transform the ethanol into ethylene, I think. And from the from ethylene, you turn it into a sustainable aviation fuel, which is already a drop-in fuel that you can then blend with a conventional fuel and basically put it on an airplane. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely correct. Um, you know, we, we start with that ethanol product. I want to go back once I answer this question, though, and talk about what we're trying to do in terms of building the ethanol industry, because I think it's an important. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but but you're absolutely right. In terms of process, ethanol is just a phenomenal building block because we take the ethanol, we make it into ethylene, we go through a, an oligomerization step, we add hydrogen, and then we fractionate it into SAF and renewable diesel. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's four steps, if you will, to our process and our technology. You know, that 
that process of taking it from ethanol to the finished sap product is extremely efficient. We capture nearly all of the carbon that's in that ethanol and convert it into the final sap product. We have extremely high selectivity uh, to produce sustainable aviation fuel. Uh, so, and all we produce is renewable diesel and sap. And 90% of what we produce can be sap and 10% renewable diesel, or we can literally change how we execute the process in a matter of you know a couple of days and produce more renewable diesel and less uh, sustainable aviation fuel. So we have that flexibility, but to get to 90% SAF is truly remarkable. It's not common in the industry to be able to achieve that. So our technology and our process does that. And as I mentioned, we convert you know more than 99% of the carbon into the final fuel product. Mm -hmm. So it's a very efficient process overall. And because it's ethanol, we take it down to a core building block and then build it up into exactly the carbon chain that we want and the product that we want. So it's very, very, uh, not only efficient, but very conducive to feeding the aviation sector because that is an opportunity that is unique compared to other technologies. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sorry. Uh, sorry, I just distracted you earlier from the your explanation. You were about to tell us about the basically the ethanol value chain and uh, and how yeah. you guys are are interacting. Uh, well, what are the dynamics there yeah. in, in this value so, chain? So here's the here's the opportunity for us and if you will the the dilemma in industry, right? Which is we have technology that's ready uh, that we are deploying. The feedstock, meaning the ethanol that is abundantly available today, comes from first-generation sources. So, you know, the opportunity is, can we find the right sustainable, low-CI, first-generation ethanol to have an impact starting tomorrow, if you will, uh, in decarbonizing aviation? And the answer to that is yes, because that feedstock supply does exist. The technology does exist. And we can achieve a 60, 70 plus percent reduction in overall greenhouse gas emissions with our SAF product. Mm -hmm. Now, while we're doing that, while we're deploying our technology and using the ethanol that's currently available, we're very keen and very interested in developing a second generation ethanol industry and market. So this is ethanol that comes from waste sources. So cellulosic ethanol here in the United States, uh, you can have you know, we talked about Lanzatech a little bit. Lanzatech is a phenomenal company that has technology that does amazing things. They can take essentially any waste source and convert it into ethanol. So we can take municipal solid waste and convert it into ethanol. We can take carbon monoxide emissions from an industrial plant that we can then take and convert into ethanol. Uh, we can take agricultural residues and convert that into ethanol. It's literally limitless. And we can also do direct air capture, right? We've partnered with others on the Lanzatech side to take CO2 directly out of the atmosphere, which we can then take through the Lanzatech process and produce ethanol. So, you know, those value chains for producing advanced, you know, second generation ethanol are developing. The quantities today are smaller, um, but they are increasing over time. And Lanzatech has, you know, several commercial plants already up and running. They've got a bunch in the pipeline that are under construction and a bunch more that are in engineering phase. So Lanza Tech alone has, you know, a bunch of projects that can provide a phenomenal source as a feedstock for second generation waste-based ethanol for us. There's also other, you know, companies out there who are increasing production of second generation ethanol. 
you know, Heisen out of Brazil with, with a very large sugarcane ethanol provider um, is increasing their production of second generation ethanol. You've got folks like Clarion who have technology that is, uh, you know, that they're deploying that can produce, uh, take ag, ag waste and convert that into ethanol. And for us, we've partnered with a company in the UK called Nova Pangea Technologies, which takes uh, wood waste and agricultural waste and converts that into ethanol. And we use that as the feedstock for our plant in the UK that we are, you know, engineering at this point. So, mm -hmm. you know, from my point of view, we have to take action with urgency, which means we can deploy our technology. It is a platform that can use any ethanol and we choose to use low carbon, sustainably sourced ethanol as the feedstock. And that will always be the case for, you know, our, our technology and our plants. Um, and we use stuff that's available today. Yeah. And as the second generation ethanol market develops, we can use that ethanol on the same platform, right? As long as it's ethanol, it doesn't really matter. It meets the, it meets the standard that we need uh, in order for our process to work. The chemical properties are all the same, regardless right. of, of what's the source? Correct. Yes. Okay. And you've been quite busy uh, basically planning plans. Your main facility... Uh, well, not the main one, I think, because you're planning a, a very large one in Illinois. But the first one is going to be in the state of Georgia, right? And then you're also planning plants in, in the UK, in Illinois, and in Japan. Am I right? Yeah. No, I think you're right. We, yeah. um, You know, when I was at the Breakthrough Energy Summit recently, I was able to put up a, a, a slide <laughs> which had mm -hmm. a bunch of flags. And, you know, when I took a step back and looked at that page, you know, we have work going on uh, on just about every continent. So uh, you're right. So our more advanced projects are... The project in Georgia is our first sort of small commercial scale project. Uh, that's only about 10 million gallons of uh, fuel a year. That one will be um, completed and operational next year in 2023. Uh, we have, um, we announced a partnership with the Indian oil company in India to uh, work as well with Lanza Tech on taking uh, waste carbon, converting it into ethanol, and from ethanol, we would convert it into sap. We've announced our continued work in the UK, working with British Airways and Nova Pangea Technologies. We've also announced a partnership with Mitsui and Cosmo Oil in Japan to uh, look at building a sap industry in Japan. Uh, so we've got, we've got a lot of work going on uh, across the globe uh, in various stages of project development, if you will. Mm -hmm. Which altogether, how many gallons are we talking about? You might have said earlier, but I I just wanted to confirm um, what yeah, what sort our, of production we're talking about here altogether. Our, what we've announced as production capacity so far is about 300 million gallons per year. We've mm -hmm. got other projects in the mix which are much larger capacity biorefineries, you know, production units mm -hmm. uh, that are going to scale the technology up quite substantially. Um, in the U.S. alone, uh, maybe about a year, year and a half ago, along with the White House, uh, when the White House made its announcement for the three billion gallon goal by 2030, um, at the same event, we announced that we would contribute one billion gallons of that in the United States by 2030. So we've got a lot of work going on in the U.S. alone uh, to help fulfill the U.S. ambition of getting to three billion gallons. 
So, you know, a billion gallons in the U.S. is our is our target. We think that's achievable. We've got a lot of work that that supports that. Some of which we haven't announced publicly, but I think we're we're well on our way. And then on a global basis, you know, certain markets um, are more restrict are more restrictive in terms of what we can use as the feedstock. Uh, so in those markets where you're restricted to second generation ethanol, those plants are large are likely going to be a little smaller um, than what they could otherwise be in a much larger market like uh, the U.S., for example. Mm -hmm. uh, so the you know government policy and government approach to how to build the industry uh, also plays into you know how large some of these facilities will be. And the companies that are your investors or your partners, some of them are actually future consumers of, of the sustainable aviation fuel. Is all production going to those companies, like for example, BA or uh, well? not an investor, but partner, all Nippon Airways, for example. Is there going to be anything left for for other players <laughs> yes. in the market? Yes, of course there is. You know, I think one of the benefits that any early investor has is, you know, certain rights and certain access to, mm. to product, for example, right? And, and both of those companies being early partners of ours uh, do have certain access to our product. But by no means is it is it all of the product and you know, the, the, the goal is for us to, um, you know, have plenty of product to be able to sell in the market. Keep in mind that not all of these facilities are going to be uh, Lanza Jet branded facilities. You know, some of these are being developed in partnership with our investors. Um, you know, so they will be likely a Suncor facility or a Shell facility using Lanza Jet technology. Uh, so, you know, depending on the project, there's a different business model that uh, is likely in place for that project um, that, you know, may mean different things, may mean different different things for who's the off-taker, you know, how we're going to market that product and so on. Okay, excellent. So, uh, well, I don't know if, is there anything else we can expect in the near future? Because you guys have been, as I mentioned, pretty active. I'm, I'm getting all the press releases uh, <laughs> that you are, you are announcing new deals constantly. What can we expect in the near future? if there's anything that we should be paying attention to? We'll continue to you know, do the good work in terms of finding the right partners and building out the right projects and announcing them at the right time. We generally have, um, I would say, a more conservative approach where we like things to be uh, relatively far along. We like there to be a little bit of certainty around what we're doing uh, in order for us to announce it. So. You know, a lot of our focus right now is on getting the plant up and running in Georgia. It's pretty exciting because, you know, the hardest part of that plant, the hardest part of all of this is our technology, which is novel. And, you know, the that part of that project has been completed in terms of we've, we've fabricated uh, the refinery unit itself. It's going to be making its way uh, to Georgia because we did this in a modular structure and a modular format. Uh, so we, it's pretty exciting times for us here at the company because, you know, uh, some, you know, some of our folks, uh, their life's work, if you will, in some ways is now showing up as an actual refinery unit. Uh, so it's pretty exciting in terms of what's happening at the site in Georgia with these modules arriving and being erected. Um, you know, and it's very tangible, right? We're all about urgency. We're all about action here at LanzaJet. And, you know, this is becoming uh, more and more real as every day passes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we will certainly have more announcements, um, but we also take an approach of we work with our partners 
uh, in, in quite a bit of detail, ensure that we feel comfortable and confident in how projects are progressing before mm -hmm. we uh, talk about them publicly. So in principle, next year, we can expect fuel to start coming out of this Georgia facility. Yeah, that's the hope. So we will be mechanically complete next year. We will start up the plant. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, it, it may take some time to get it fully operating the way we wanted to, but that's the expectation is that uh, it will be operational next year. Excellent. So uh, for anyone uh, willing to learn more about the company, I guess go to the website, lanzajet.com. And there is a form there if folks want to submit it. Uh, if they have any questions or reach out on LinkedIn, is also a good format. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jimmy, for your time today and for sharing a, a few details about this very interesting uh, string of projects you are working on at the moment. Wishing you all the best uh, because we need a lot of sustainable aviation fuel in the near future. And welcome here in the podcast at any other time to share any other projects you might have. Thank you so much. It's been great to chat with you and uh, look forward to doing it again. Before you go, and if you like this podcast, a quick reminder that it would be absolutely great if you could please give it a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whichever platform you are using or recommend it to a friend or whomever might be interested. Thank you very much and see you soon.